How do you mobilize people in the groups to make disciples? The first is identify and pray for your your networks or your oikos, as we talked about earlier. What you want to have people do is to identify their network or their oikos of, of non-Christians. And you want them to begin to pray for those people in the groups. The second step is to build authentic relationships. Now, there are two questions you can ask here, and I think I raised these earlier, but I'd like to re-raise them uh, today for the sake of this point. Number one, what do you like to do? Erstens, was mag ich? Was, was tue ich gerne? Can you find some non-Christians that like to do what you like to do? And I told you earlier about my mountain bike riding experience. If you like to play soccer, and that's part of your regular exercise anyway, then, then play soccer, but don't play with your Christian friends. Play with people that are not yet Christian. So asking the question, what do you like to do, can provide some natural places of relationship building. Of course, you already have the, the relationships you have at your job and your work and other kinds of situations. A second question is, how can you serve others? So is there a way that you can, you can demonstrate love to somebody and keep doing that until they ask you, why are you doing this? And don't forget, you can team up with some other uh, Christian friends to help in this process. So that's a question of just being creative and saying, Lord, what is it that you'd want me to do? And a person that's, that's very quiet can team up with somebody that's a little more, more outgoing, and, and together they could go do something. Then bring uh, your friends into contact with your Christian friends. Is that what that says? Yep. Because it's not enough just to, for you personally to build the relationship, but, but one of the things that helps people become obedient disciples in the church is when they have multiple relationships with Christians in the church. That's a very important concept. The fourth is to communicate Christ appropriately. Let me see if I can diagram that for you. There is a woman in Hong Kong that, that uh, had a very effective, has a very effective ministry reaching factory workers. Historically, uh, Christianity in Hong Kong was more the middle and upper classes, not the working and lower classes. And Dr. Agnes Liu decided to try to see if she could reach factory workers. So she took a job in a factory working as a seamstress. And she began to learn the uh, dialect. She began to understand the needs and the frustrations and the attitudes of people that work in those factories. She became thoroughly acquainted with the monotony and the work-induced sicknesses that come about from this process. In the course of doing this, she started some factory fellowships, they were called, beginning, of course, with not yet Christians. What she discovered was something very significant about how the process of people come to know Christ. And it now is known as the uh, Liu Triangle Scale. And so here's a triangle. And she found that there were three stages that people went through in the process of becoming Christians. The first is attitudes. What happened is, in the very beginning, these people in the factories didn't like Christians. Christians were the rich people. And so they had a change in attitudes. They started seeing some authentic Christians, and they started liking Christians. And so therefore, they became a little more open to the church and to Christ. And so they had a series of, of steps that went along where they began to develop more and more positive attitudes toward Christians and then toward Jesus. The next leg of the triangle is experiences. What they would do in these factory fellowships is they would begin to encourage these seekers to uh, experiment some with the Christian faith. Sometimes they would have like a, a, a sick child, 
And the Christians would pray for them, and the child would get well. And that made them more open to consider some other things, about maybe Jesus does have something to answer. Now, just a word about the Chinese worldview. You're probably familiar that one of the critical issues in the Chinese worldview is the issue of power. So the typical Chinese person is asking the question, and so that's one of the questions just going on in the mind of a Chinese. And now they would they would have answered prayer. They'd also encourage them to, to to try to pray themselves and begin to read the Bible a little bit, perhaps, or do something else, some experience that would go on. And about as they went, just like when they went about halfway up the attitude scale change, when they got about halfway down the experience scale, then they would be open to the third leg of the triangle, which is knowledge. And knowledge is, is understanding of the, of the content of the gospel and the, the, the theology behind what is necessary to, to come to faith in Christ. And so you have the, uh, the steps along that process. Now, you're probably quite familiar with the Engel scale, are you not? The Engel scale where uh, a person has no awareness of God, and then they go to some awareness of God to some awareness of the gospel and some awareness of the implications of the gospel all the way up to when they trust Christ and then become incorporated into the church. Oh, How yeah. many have some understanding of that concept? Where is the angle scale on this triangle? It's primarily the base. And yet the studies and research of Dr. Agnes Liu show that actually it's a three-step process that goes like that. And so it goes around in that kind of fashion. So that before they begin to be open to experiences, there's changes in attitudes. And when they get about to the halfway point of the change of attitudes, they're open for the experiences. And of course, as the experiences change, their, their attitude changes more. Then they become open to the, to the actual content of the gospel, which results in further changes of attitudes and experiences until they come to faith in Christ. As I've reflected on this model, I think that this is a more accurate representation of the way people really come to Christ, even in the Western world. It's more holistic in its approach. Now, the final step is to uh, help new believers grow and reach their networks. Now, that makes, that makes uh, quite a bit of sense, because new Christians have a very high number of contacts with non-Christians, and they can see much more sharply the change in their life. And so, what studies have shown is that, that uh, anywhere from 70 to 90 percent of people who become Christians do so because of the influence of a friend or a relative. Let's test that here. Let's do a survey and let's wait until uh, the translation happens so we get a real good pulse, okay? Yes. How many of you are Christians today because of the influence of a friend or a relative? Put up your hands if you would. Now look around. High, high percentage come because of the influence of a friend or relative. What I would suggest to you that any evangelistic strategy that ignores the friendship factor is not fully realizing the potential of the harvest that you could have. And in particular, mobilizing new Christians to reach their networks is even more powerful. If you give me just two more minutes, I'll finish this. I uh, was discipling a new Christian one time, and he hosted an evangelistic Bible study in his home. He invited, among other people, his friend Roger. Roger is one of these non-Christians that is kind of obnoxious. His goal is to really argue with people. And we went through this five- or six-week study... And Roger was just constantly asking questions and being belligerent. And uh, at the end of that time, I'm going, boy, I was glad that was over. It was a terrible, terrible thing. It was not enjoyable for me at all. After that, Roger started coming to church, still arguing all the time. This went on for many months. Finally, I kind of gave up on Roger, to be quite honest. So I came up to him and I said, Roger, I said, I think you know enough to be able to make up your mind on whether you want to follow Jesus or not. 
So I'm not going to hassle you anymore. When you're ready to receive Jesus, you call me, let me know. Now, you're welcome to hang out here as long as you want. We love you. It's okay. You can be here, no problem. But I think it's more an issue of you, you making up your mind on what you want to do. Now, my motivations weren't necessarily all that pure in this process, okay? I, let's move on to riper fruit is what I was thinking. About two weeks later, I get a telephone call on Monday morning. Hello, Bob? This is Roger. Roger, hi, how are you? What can I do for you? Well, Bob, I want to receive Christ. Can you come over Saturday at 2? Bob... I said, well, Roger, you can receive Christ right where you are right now. Yes, yes, I know, but I want you to be there. Can you come over Saturday at 2? Okay, I'll be there Saturday at 2. I hang up the phone, and then I say, I need to do some theological reflection. I realized that I was enough of a Calvinist to be able to trust God from Monday morning to Saturday at 2. I also realized I was just enough of an Arminian that I prayed for his health and safety every single day. I show up Saturday at 2, and there's a house full of people. Roger had invited all of his friends, family, and business associates to come watch him receive Christ. I thought to myself, I've read about this somewhere before. And there we sat at the dining room table, Surrounded by all these people, and I shared the gospel, he prayed to receive Christ, we had a big party afterwards. I got in with this new Christian doing the follow-up work. Two weeks later, I get a call from Roger. Bob, this is Roger. Hey, Roger, hi, how you doing, what can I do for you? Uh, my son wants to receive Christ, can you come over Saturday at 2 and share? <laughs> I said, I'd be happy to be there, but I don't have to share with him, you can share with him. Uh, how do I do that? I said, do you still have that same little book that we went through together? Yeah. Well, just read through the booklet, and when it comes time for the questions, stop and wait for his answers. <laughs> now, that's kind of your basic evangelism training. You know, it's a level. <laughs> this happened two more times. Now, I've not had this happen quite in that way before, but I could tell you story after story after story of how the gospel spreads from one new Christian to the next, to the next, to the next. Make sure you capitalize on those relationships.